1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I'm feeling pretty proud of myself today because I have been very much on the ball with this podcast. I really really enjoy and appreciate pre-recording content when I'm going away somewhere because it allows me to just schedule the episodes and relax and be present with whatever it is that I'm doing and so tomorrow I'm flying to Ontario back to my hometown to visit with my family a friend of mine is getting married and then I'm just going to have a bit of a Extended stay at home with my family. So I'm super excited about that. And I contemplated bringing my stuff because all I really have to bring is the microphone. But I just really like to be able to relax. And I have quite a big family. So sometimes actually finding quiet space is difficult. And that's not really a complaint. I'm very grateful for the size of my family. So yeah, I am pre recording this for two weeks time and for my drink of choice today I have an iced chai latte. I am honestly a big fan of getting drinks out and going out for coffee and you know having that whole experience but I've just been finding that everything has been getting so expensive recently and I think that in terms of coffees and stuff like that that's something that I can make at home and so the place that I usually get my chai latte, iced chai latte from, they actually sell the concentrate that they use because what I found quite often is that the chai latte itself is just a concentrate with milk. So they like mix the two. Maybe this is common knowledge, but I thought it was maybe like a more involved process and maybe it is some places. But the place that I go, they just use this concentrate and then they mix it with milk and it's about $7 and then you tip just for a standard size and i just was like man that is really expensive so they actually sell the concentrate that they use and it's about the same price it's like maybe $8 and so i'm still supporting the coffee shop and at the same time i'm making a bit more of an economical choice for myself so That's what I'm having right now, and it's so good. It tastes the exact same as when you get it at the place, and it's really, really easy to make, obviously. So I'll tell you the name. It's called, the actual company is called Wen Beverages, and it says just authentic chai. So if you Google, if you're interested in that, I think you can order it online or get it at London Drugs and probably other grocery stores. It's just called Authentic Chai concentrate and it is so good it's one of the best ones that I've had I will say it's pretty sweet so if you're not really a sweet person I prefer a chai latte that's like a little bit more sweet than it is spicy sometimes I find it's a little bit too spicy for me anyhow that's what I'm drinking now and in terms of what I'm reading not a lot of time has passed since I recorded the last episode so I'm still chipping away at beautiful worlds where are you and I think I'm about 50% of the way through I have a kindle so I can see how far I've read and I'm really enjoying it I do find that a few people had said it wasn't as much of a page turner as the other two I had said that for normal people and conversations with friends which are two of Sally Rooney's other really popular books, I was so hooked and I couldn't basically put them down. Something about the way she describes the interactions between the two main characters, it's like so few and far in between and it's so almost frustrating that it kind of pulls you in. And I'm not really finding that as much with this book, although it is really good, but I have yet to be able to make a formal review or anything like that on that one yet, but I will keep you posted. And then no updates for what we're watching. Like I said, Killing Eve is the main series that we have on the go. And I eventually want to start Stranger Things season four, but I just feel like I have so many different series on the go. We have a few different reality things that we've been watching and stuff like that. So one thing at a time, once we get bored of Killing Eve stranger things season four will always be there besides that not a whole lot of life updates but I did want to share something that I've been trying for the past couple of weeks so I met this person called Andrea on TikTok I want to say a couple months ago and she has an account called a few fun moves she actually invited me to go on a hike with a few of the members of her community. And so I did that and it was really fun. It was just nice to meet up with new people. And that was kind of the first time I'd done anything like that since the beginning of COVID. When I first moved out to Vancouver, I was really proactive, I guess, about making friends. I was on Bumble BFF. I was, you know, going to different hiking meetups. But then obviously when COVID happened, that all came to a screeching halt. So it was really, really nice to be in person with People again and new people. And anyways, my point of sharing this story is that I eventually ended up getting access to her platform that she has. As I said, she her kind of brand is called a few fun moves. And I'm super super picky about fitness platforms because I, you know, it goes without saying that I have like a tricky relationship with exercise, and it's something that I'm really working on. So the instant that I feel. This kind of like energy that for me reinforces a toxic relationship with exercise it's just not really for me and so I've been really really loving her platform there are a lot of people here in Vancouver that I know also use it and it's just really fun obviously her brand is centered around fun they're not very long workouts and they are just enjoyable she's super chill And yeah, I just wanted to share that resource in case you're looking for a way to get back into exercising or maybe reconnect with an exercise or movement routine in a way that's not intimidating and is really fun and approachable. So I'll leave the link for that in case you're interested, as well as I guess I'll leave a link for that chai latte in case you want to try that too. So today we're talking about creativity And my relationship with creativity because from having conversations with different people I think a lot of you could probably relate to my experience with creativity and my relationship to it and the interconnectedness of creativity with things like inner child work and spirituality and our authentic selves and I'm really excited to have this conversation. I think it's a big theme in my life and really ties into so many different parts of my journey and at the same time it does feel like a big topic to unwind so I think I could probably have numerous episodes about this but we'll just start with today and see where this conversation leads us and in order to kind of kick this off I want to rewind back to childhood as I often do I have this thought That I'm gonna share before getting into it. And I'm not sure if it's gonna make sense, but I'm gonna say it anyways because this is something that I hear a lot and I'm not sure where I stand on it. So, if at any point throughout this episode I refer to myself as a creative person or anything like that, I wanna be clear that I think, I don't think some people are creative and some people aren't. That's really just not something that I believe. I think that we are all inherently creative. And that sometimes we are not tapping into our fullest creative potential. Sort of similar to the sun blocking the clouds analogy that I often share with the authentic self, where the authentic self is represented by the sun. And then the layers of guilt and shame and rejection and embarrassment and all these things that we kind of add as protective Layers onto our being are represented by the clouds. So it's not so much about creating an authentic self, it's about removing the layers of shame, guilt, fear of abandonment, all of these things to reveal the sun, which is already there. It was there all along. And so I kind of think about that very similar in this case with creative expression and creative energy and the creative self. So if I ever say, or refer to myself or someone else as a creative person, I don't want it to come across as though there are people who are and are not creative. So I want to say that when I was young, I was very connected to my creativity and my creative self. I would say that that was a very prominent part of my life. I... I'm lucky enough to have kept journals since I was about the age of six. And something that I really love to do is just read back and look at the journals and kind of tap into how I was feeling at the time. And one of the first things I noticed when I did this was how creative and expressive and, you know, I referred to myself frequently as an artist and I was also kind of separately very self-confident. I wrote really nice things about myself and throughout elementary school I was involved in choir I loved being in the play school plays I loved to dance I did ballet for a couple of years and once again in my journals there was so many drawings and poems and stories and I don't necessarily think that this was something that I necessarily learned through school I think it was simply a way of expressing myself and even passing the time it's funny because even however many years later like 15 years later since being in elementary school and being in school plays i can still remember the pure joy and excitement and happiness that i felt when i was performing and you know singing i just loved it it was it's a feeling that i i really don't experience often but there's something to be said also for doing this within a community and all collectively kind of working on the same thing in a creative way. So the picture that we're trying to paint here is that I was very tuned in and connected with creativity and my creative self. I also think a big way that both me and a lot of other children that I've witnessed are creative is through their playfulness through the imaginary stories that they make up and just the ways that we keep ourselves occupied in the most creative ways. You hear a lot that actually boredom is necessary for our creativity, but it's almost as if we try as we grow older to eliminate any source of boredom through quite often things that probably don't have a very great Effect on our creativity. And I'm not sure if this is going to make sense, but this is just an observation that I had recently, which was it's so interesting to me that the only one of the main things that adults do when they get older from an activities perspective, like let's say you're getting together with a group of friends, one of the main things you do is talk, right? Like you go out for drinks and you talk and you hang out with your friends you have dinner and you talk to each other but I just have reflected on that sense of play that we kind of lost and don't get me wrong there are instances where we tap into that with our friendships at least I do but it's it's a lot more rare and I remember last summer a friend of ours um suggested that we play basketball together and I suck at basketball. So, you know, at first I'm like, uh, do I really want to do that? It feels like a lot of effort, you know, all these narratives and then going and just playing basketball, something so simple, getting together with a group of adult friends and doing something a little bit more playful was so nice and it felt so good. So that's definitely something that I have kind of been reflecting on, how I can integrate that into my friendships and just more so into my life as a whole is that sense of play. And it's really nice also to do it in a way that isn't super competitive from time to time. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm definitely a competitive person, but part of the reason that I like to do activities that I'm bad at or that I'm not good at at all is because I can't really be competitive because I suck. So there's really no, there's no feeling of trying to prove myself. And I think that that is something that as kids, it feels like there's not really any hierarchy of creativity. It's just literally making something of the moment and playing. And there's also a really deep sense of curiosity for me that's connected with creativity. Whereas I think as we, again, become adults and we enter... You know the professional worlds so much is based more so on like rationality and having certainty and having statistics. And it almost eliminates the need for curiosity and for experimentation. And we can think about this in the way that we have the expectation to have one linear career path. And of course, I've talked about this before, mainly in the episode about being multi-passionate, but, for me, when I started to become a little bit more experimental and creative with my career path, it felt dangerous. And it felt like the whole narrative surrounding what that meant was so negative and so stigmatized. I think a lot of the time when we discuss things like creativity, we quite often immediately make the jump to thinking of like art or expression in that way. But I also have learned to think about my life as a whole in a more creative way. And what I mean by that is, you know, we have certain categories and expectations and boxes and identities that we put ourselves in. And then it can be kind of easy not to think beyond those boxes because there's a sense of certainty and safety Within them. However, even thinking creatively about your living situation, for example, or your career or any number of things that kind of goes beyond what you may have experienced in the past or what you may have witnessed, that also for me has been a huge source of healing because I've allowed myself to basically tap into a really authentic way of living for me that may not look like the identity that I'm expected to have or, you know, may not even look like what I felt a year ago or a month ago because I'm allowing myself to evolve and adapt and be curious and experiment with life. So in order to have this conversation about creativity, I want to draw upon a couple of different teachers in my learnings about creativity. Now, I've read a lot about creativity. I've had a lot of conversations. I don't consider myself to be an expert by any means. However, I think that quite often I see kind of different schools of thought when it comes to it. And so I'm going to be sharing the schools of thought that resonate with me. And what I will say is quite often the teachings on creativity are infused with a very capitalistic Lens, I guess. And I think it can be hard to decouple the two because it's just so embedded in the way that we live. But I always find myself gravitating kind of away from that in the sense that, as an example, I read this book about flow and how we can get into more flow. And the author was basically just talking about all of the ways in which we can optimize our way of living so that we can essentially be more creative with the objective of being more financially successful and wealthy and things like that. So increasing our creative output and increasing our productivity from a creative perspective and all sorts of things like that. And I kind of find myself resonating more with creativity as sort of a spiritual topic. One of the first people that opened my eyes to this way of thinking was Dr. Laura Batson, and I've mentioned her many times on this podcast, but she's been a pretty significant mentor in my life, and I met her at a really pivotal point in my life when I was living in Ottawa. She was my naturopath, and she ended up being like a really good friend and a really good mentor, The reason she was really important was when I was really struggling with my mental health and feeling like I wasn't really on the right path and really questioning my choices and where I was at in life. She was kind of the first person that made me feel seen and heard and, you know, validated the struggle that I was having as opposed to questioning, you know, questioning my decision to walk away from that job. She really validated that if I was feeling that way, there was a reason for that. And she too had felt that at different times. And so fast forward a couple years later, I ended up taking a course. She offered a course called Liberate Your Curve. And it was during that time that my relationship with creativity and my approach and my beliefs towards creativity really started to take root and take form so I wanted to read a little excerpt and I'm paraphrasing here but essentially what her course is all about is getting in touch with your your authentic self the essence of your being the original form and expression of your soul She talks a lot about stepping out of boxes of conformity and what she calls imposed knowledge and reconnecting with our inner knowledge and really remembering who we are and what we came here to do. Something that also really struck me about her teachings was recognizing how much of our lives are systematized and organized into linearity, which she says essentially stifles our true nature and what she calls the curvaceous nature of our souls. If we think about even the example of looking around the room and seeing how many straight lines there are and sharp edges, and then considering that we don't really see this reflected in nature and the kind of reflection that she had us consider during the course was that we've really strayed from you know, living in harmony with nature, but also living in harmony with our true selves and also with one another. So at the very beginning of the experience that she led us through, she asked us to consider and reflect on what we wanted to liberate within ourselves throughout the course of the program. And my immediate answer was creativity. Like I said, when I was younger, I feel that I was very connected to this part of myself. And I eventually started to disengage from creative hobbies and my creative outlets. I was really, really obsessed with the pursuit of being cool. And for whatever reason, I identified that things like being in plays and singing and being in choir and even you know, visual arts and things like that that had really interested me at one point were no longer cool. On top of that, I think many people have similar experiences with not really feeling like they were very good in that realm, in that, you know, you're comparing yourself to your peers who are really artistically gifted or really good singers or actors or dancers. And I wasn't really any of those things. While I really enjoyed it, I don't think that I was necessarily super talented. And so I kind of just closed myself off to those parts of myself and also at the same time really internalizing that messaging that many of us pick up that these types of activities are really not worth our time because they don't lead to any substantial career path. So going back to the course that I took in my intention to liberate my creative potential, when I reflect back on the last few years, it really has felt like a liberation of a certain part of myself that I was hiding away and almost holding captive. And there's an immense amount of freedom that I feel and an immense immense amount of relief that I feel in doing so. The visual that always comes to mind for me is creative energy and creative potential as being water that's flowing through a hose and if you've ever seen a hose kind of being folded in half the way that it builds up and there's so much tension and the creative energy is still flowing and it's still coming but we're just resisting it and so for me this really manifested as anxiety and panic and you know, bouts of depression, just feeling so disconnected and feeling so unimportant and uninspired. And when I think about this process of, you know, letting some of these parts of myself be seen and be expressed and allowing myself to think about my life in a creative way and to reconnect with this, this source of energy and this source of expression it really, it really coincides with my experience of healing my anxiety and coming a long way with my mental health. And another visual that comes to mind is, as I said, one of the things that this program that I took was all about was stepping out of the boxes of conformity. And I see when we are feeling this immense... Tension within our being and anxiety, and feeling uninspired, and feeling like there's something else calling us. The visual that I get is that we're in a box that's just too small for us, if that makes sense. And I just see us as spilling out of the seams and being ready to expand or almost just get rid of the box altogether. There are so many different ways that we refer to this part of ourselves, but I think the creative parts of ourselves are our true essence if that makes sense and also like i said can be can be seen as our inner child our authentic self sometimes called the inner artist and this part of ourselves as i kind of touched on earlier is dimmed over time when we habitually default to this linear way of being, limiting our way of being and expressing to a version that we've created to gain the love, approval, and acceptance of others. And on this podcast, we refer to this as our survival personality. Another teacher that I want to highlight in this conversation about creativity is Elizabeth Gilbert, who's the author of big magic, the book, big magic. She also has other novels, but I read this book a few years ago. And at the time I just wasn't really in the mindset that I am now and couldn't appreciate certain parts of it. But there's one overarching idea that was presented to me in that book that I hadn't really considered before that I continue to revisit and actually experience in real life. And I find it so fascinating which is essentially the idea that creative energy and inspiration and ideas are essentially their own entity. They're completely separate from us. And we are kind of the vessels that bring them into fruition. And essentially the idea is that if you don't act on inspiration, someone else will. So there's not really the sense of ownership. There is a sense of saying yes to ideas and allowing yourself to explore it and let it take form as opposed to for instance immediately rejecting it. She talks about this experience that she had where she had an idea for a book and she had it all fleshed out and then something in her life came up and she had to step away from the idea and then when she came back to it it just didn't feel the same and she wasn't really able to make it happen so she I think she just let it go. And then she was at like a writer's convention a few years later or an event of some sort and this person that she met had written the exact same book that she had the idea for around the exact same time. So it was almost as if she put down the idea and when she did, someone else picked it up. And at the time, I found that this concept was very bizarre and like I said, I wasn't really into spirituality or that way of thinking so it seemed just kind of bs to me but now fast forward a few years and i've actually had that experience happen numerous millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from
0: noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right
1: times where I'll have such a specific obscure random thought or idea and I won't act on it and then I'll see that idea or that very same thought being having been created by someone else. And I know it sounds silly, but I'll give an example, a specific example because this has happened to me several times specifically on TikTok and on social media. So Recently, my partner and I, as I mentioned, we've been watching The Magic School Bus, and I realized that I really recognize the voice of Miss Frizzle, and if you don't know who this is, it's fine. It's really not that important. Anyhow, Miss Frizzle in The Magic School Bus is played by Lily Tomlin from Grace and Frankie, and... I was so floored by this discovery and it's just such an obscure and random thing to happen and realization to have. So anyways, I thought to myself, this would be a fun TikTok idea. I didn't end up making it. And then I logged on literally the next day, someone had made that exact video. It's just so unlikely to me in my head That someone else would have been having that realization at the exact same time. It's just so odd. And then going on to TikTok and then making that video. And like I said, it doesn't surprise me anymore because this happens literally all of the time. And it's just so interesting because it happens with any type of idea that I ever have. Like, It almost feels like there's nothing that is my own idea, if that makes sense, because It's always reflected back to me by what other people create. And when we remove the capitalist competitive need to outperform and outachieve and always need to have the best ideas, when we remove that lens, we can engage with creative energy and inspiration in such a way that says there will always be more ideas, you know, being able to see other people create and be inspired and happy and not feeling jealous because we know that there are just as many ideas and infinite number of potential creations for us to tap into. The thing that I really liked in Big Magic was essentially the recommendation that if we receive this idea or this inspiration and this creativity and it's something that we really feel called to express, then the first step is just saying yes to it. And it doesn't mean we immediately have to put it out into the world. We can play around with it. We can attend to it, get curious, and just show that we are invested in the process of bringing that into fruition. And for me, the creative process of... Doing that of saying yes, attending to an idea, exploring it, experimenting it, see if I can grow it into anything. Even that for me is very satisfying. It doesn't always mean that I have to bring it into the world and, you know, show it to other people. Sometimes even just the process of going through that is enough for me. And this whole idea of, you know, if you don't act on inspiration and an idea someone else will, it's not to make you feel a sense of urgency and like you have to act on everything. Like I said, it's more so about saying yes to the things that you want to explore and then knowing that the things that you say no to will make their way into reality one way or another. The third teacher that I want to bring into this conversation is Julia Cameron, the author of The Artist's Way which is essentially a step-by-step program written into a book that helps you to reconnect with your creative self and kind of helps you through this creative recovery process. So there's a lot of techniques and practices and exercises to essentially get back into the rhythm and get back into your creative flow. Like I said, I find that a lot of this parallels with inner child work and getting in touch with that part of ourselves that was dampened or suppressed for whatever reason. So I really like to kind of think of those two things in a very similar way. I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the takeaways from her book when I talk about things that block our creativity or block our access to creative potential, but I did want to build on the idea that I shared from the book, Big Magic. And Julia Cameron presents it in a very similar way. And something that I really liked, I quite often talk about the idea of a garden. And so in The Artist's Way, she also talks about essentially being a gardener for ideas and creativity and you are essentially a vessel or a channel that creativity and ideas and inspiration just happen to flow through so if you think about yourself as planting a seed as a gardener you aren't actually doing the growing you are just attending to the garden taking good care of it watering it and also at the same time knowing when to you know relinquish control and in this case work with universal intelligence and we know that when we're for example planting a garden that there is an element that is outside of our control so when we're considering this conversation of creativity and how we relate to it recognizing that taking a very forceful action-oriented approach doesn't always bring us to where we want to be and in the case of the garden if we are overbearing and we overwater, we recognize that this may have implications on the growth of the garden or the growth of whatever it is that you're planting. It's a very different way of thinking because we're taught that the only way to get anywhere and get anything done is by constantly being in action and doing something and how could you know, relaxing and taking periods of rest and stepping away from whatever it is that you're doing have any impact on the thing itself if we are not there to be putting in the hours or putting in the effort. I mentioned this in the Manifestation mini-series episodes, but when we want to think about what we can do versus what is beyond our control and therefore what we can lean into a more co-creative partnership and co-creative collaborative process with the universe or whatever you want to call it I like to think if I am fixating too heavily on something like how or when something is going to manifest in my life or you know an idea is going to come to me those are the times where I can recognize and ask myself the level of control that I actually have over that. And leaning into this more balanced, co-creative, collaborative way of being has really been the catalyst for a lot of transformation and a lot more ease and a sense of freedom and trust in my life. So I want to get into a couple of the ways that I have liberated my creativity. Like I mentioned, that was my intention a couple of years ago when taking that course, and these are some of the ways that I have been able to liberate that sense of creativity. So the first one, like I mentioned, is really in the way that I allow myself to live, not always feeling like I have to copy and paste ways of living that are given to me by my parents or my family or my peers or what other people are doing or society's expectations at large. One of the main ways that I do this is something that I've mentioned has been an intention of mine recently which is to engage with my life in a much more cyclical way to honor the lows and enjoy the highs and not really allow my entire state of being to be derailed at either point. If I hear that there's a certain way of doing something that doesn't really feel aligned to me, allowing myself to just get creative and get curious about other potential solutions. So once again just giving myself permission to expand beyond the linearity and I think that is where it starts for me is that permission and just saying okay, what other alternatives and what other options exist? And I really do this across the board with most areas of my life. Going back to the Elizabeth Gilbert example about having a certain nudge of inspiration or creativity or perhaps having a nudge away from a certain way of being and then the first step saying yes to that nudge and allowing myself to respond to it and to see, like I said, other solutions and other ways of being. Another big way is to actually allow myself to move through fear and just be seen and heard and to express and when I say this it doesn't mean that I don't have fear it means that I don't allow it to hinder me so for example I can still feel the fear of embarrassment when I'm trying a new activity but it doesn't stop me from trying it anyways and I will say that the exposure to those fears and to doing the thing that I want to do anyways does lessen the intensity of the fear because I'm essentially rewiring the the outcome that I have in my mind and showing myself that, as an example, my fear of trying a new activity is that other people are going to make fun of me, they're going to laugh at me, they're going to think I'm stupid, they're going to think I'm not good enough, blah, blah, blah. So by trying the thing that I really want to try and seeing that, number one, quite often that outcome doesn't really happen. And even if it does on any level, I'm still okay. And I've been able to really enjoy an activity and that joy that it brought me, it almost acts as a power source to help me move through the fear because I know that there is joy on the other side of it. One of the other ways that I actually liberate my creativity is through rest. And if you've ever experienced really trying to power your way to a solution or think your way to a solution and then kind of setting it aside, leaving it for a bit, and then Your mind just kind of randomly comes up with a solution when you're doing something completely random or off topic. You'll know what I mean when I say it's not just during periods of active thought or active creativity that solutions arise or that inspiration arises. In fact, it's often when we're allowing ourselves to have space and have silence and take a break from the constant mental chatter. That solutions arise and that we find that piece of inspiration that we're looking for. So something that really helps me actually with my creative energy and to be available to it is to fully allow myself these periods of rest without guilt or without this greater objective to become more productive. Another big one for me is allowing myself to evolve and not being so rigid and static in the way that I express myself. Allowing myself to Honor the chapter that I'm in and express whatever is feeling fresh or feeling relevant at that time. And then when I feel called to evolve away from it, allowing myself to. There was a period of time where I felt that I had to, you know, maintain this really consistent image. And I just felt that that was draining me because. I almost had moved on to new ways of being but I still felt like I had to show up in a certain way and liberating that need and releasing that need has really helped to support me and support my creative expression. And then the last thing that has really helped me to liberate my creativity and tap into my creative potential has been to sort of withdraw from this race to prove myself. And I'm going to talk about this in more detail when I talk about things that block our creativity, but just being really mindful of the energy I bring into not just creative pursuits, but my life in general, I find that I feel a lot more at peace and a lot more free when I am just allowing myself to enjoy activities, enjoy life, enjoy hobbies, and not always have improvement and competition as the end goal. Because to me, improvement is not a goal in and of itself. It's a byproduct of consistently showing up and enjoying A given activity. Okay, so before we dive into some of the responses that you shared on Instagram, I also just want to quickly touch on some of the things that actually can block us from our creative potential, at least from my perspective. And some of these things I'm also integrating from some of the teachers that I had mentioned earlier in the episode. So the first one is just ourselves in the way that we speak to ourselves, in the way that we conduct ourselves, in the way that we limit ourselves, and our inner critic. I think when it comes to our inner critic, at one point in my life, I realized that the criticisms that I was imposing on myself weren't reflective of how I truly felt about myself. I had internalized criticisms that I had received from... Early life, or throughout my life, and made them my own. So, I think identifying the source of these critical voices can help us to externalize them and speak to them directly, as opposed to assuming that these are actually parts of ourselves. I think that by externalizing the voices of our inner critic, we can understand what the root fear is and we can help to soothe and heal that again imagining that we're speaking to our inner child and validating that what they're feeling is okay and it's understandable and it's fair but we don't have to continue to operate from that wound and we can heal through it and we can move forward in a new direction another blockage for me comes from the labels that we use and the ways that we put ourselves into boxes, i.e., for me, I said early in life, you know, I'm just not a creative person. I'm not good at this, and therefore, I never allowed myself to open to that part of myself. And by the same logic, this is no um, this is no hate on people who are in creative fields because I guess I would say that I am myself, but I've just noticed that there is a certain cool kids club energy. I'm not sure if that's going to make sense, but essentially almost like a gatekeeping of creativity within people who are, let's say, artistically talented or are in what society would deem to be creative jobs. It seems to follow that that is the pinnacle of what creativity looks like. And we kind of adopt this logic that if certain people are creative in such a way, then that's how it must be for everyone. And once again, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but I have sort of just felt almost on the outskirts of creative or having a creative identity because I don't necessarily resonate with the way that it's been framed by creative industries, if that makes sense. Which kind of ties into my next point about things that block our creativity, which is essentially this need to monetize, systematize, and mass-produce everything that we lay hands on. I have noticed that anytime I bring this energy into a hobby of mine or an interest of mine, it just seems to breed this different type of relationship to it that is subject to competition and comparison. This person that I know that was, I would say, really tapped into their creative energy became a creative director at an ads agency and described to me that that need to systematize and like always be pumping out new ideas and always have fresh ideas almost completely burnt them out of that part of themselves. Many people feel that in order to maintain the relationship that they have with their creative energy and creative potential and hobbies, it can actually be beneficial to keep their quote-unquote day job so that they don't get to that point of kind of burn out with respect to their creativity and the list really goes on when it comes to things that can block our creativity many of these things being ways of thinking that are oriented towards Again, making something out of it, so feeling like we don't have enough talent or it's too late or what's the point, these are all rooted in the idea that it's necessary to have a certain amount of talent because there's an outcome attached to it rather than doing it just for the sake of pure creative expression and tapping into our truest nature. And another way of thinking that I've talked about before that I think for me is very limiting is you know, the rigidity and the linearity that I mentioned before, and this manifests for me as needing to really niche down and limit the way that I express to only one part of my life and, you know, refine my creativity into one singular, straight, neat and tidy category. I just find that again, the feeling that that gives to me, the sensation is limiting and confining and rigid and tension filled if that makes sense so that's something that I generally just like to be mindful of and when I feel myself doing that I always come back to asking myself why do I feel that this is how I need to engage with whatever it is that I'm doing so I'm going to read some of your responses on Instagram I had basically asked what your relationship with creativity is and many of these answers are very reflective of my own personal experience and some of the things i shared here so one person said i feel fulfilled creatively when i allow myself the space slash freedom to do nothing another person said feeling compelled to dive headfirst into a project then burn out versus taking it slow and once again this ties into the energy that we bring into something do we feel on any level that we have to get to a certain end point and when we bring that energy into it how does it change our relationship to whatever it is that we're doing and then another person said creative hobbies help me get to know myself I just need to learn how to not focus on the outcome and I'll read one more this is a two-part the pressure to make it profitable made me lose interest in creative endeavors I feel like I don't prioritize being creative and embrace that part of me anymore. So it feels like so many of us collectively are having this very similar experience of feeling the pressure and not really knowing how to orient ourselves in relation to creativity. So my hope is that through this episode and through so many of the other creators and resources that are kind of sharing this same message and kind of shifting the narrative about the potential that living creatively has and how when we tap into that we're really tapping into our true nature and the freedom that comes along with that in being able to engage in certain activities without feeling like we need to strive for any particular outcome and just finding pleasure and reconnecting with pleasure and enjoyment and that is something that has really really transformed my entire life so I hope that it will help you too and it will really take its own form and become whatever it's going to become. I'm not really sure if that makes sense, but quite honestly, towards the end of my episodes, my brain kind of starts to turn off. I do want to leave off with this Instagram that I just saw, interestingly enough, really speaks to the power of creativity and how everything is intertwined because I was just scrolling Instagram. I took a break halfway through this episode and this post is exactly everything that we just talked about in one post. The account is called Yumi Sakugawa and I will leave their account tagged in the show notes but it says, what if instead of being bound by external expectations of creative success and creative failure shaped by the shallow binary thinking of societal attitudes? You instead create and live by your own expansive, self-loving values of a creatively fulfilling life. To me, creative success is finding joy and excitement in present connection to the process and self-permission to experiment, evolve, play, and grow in how I express my deepest truth. Creative failure to me is simply not giving myself permission to explore my ideas and preemptively playing small before I even give myself a chance to find out. All external reactions to my work are learning experiences and additional information, but do not make or break or define my relationship to my creative practice. So once again, that's from the account Yumi Sakugawa. I apologize if that's not the proper pronunciation, but I will leave the account in the show notes. And I just think this is a beautiful way to round out this episode. So I'm going to leave it at that. I hope that you enjoyed. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,